Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast episode 14 with our guest this week, Josie Long. My name is Scroobius Pip. Thank you for tuning in and downloading and thank you in general for supporting. Um, yeah, it's, all the reactions have been great um, from episode one, basically, but we've had loads of um, great results. Well, I mean, we've been topping the chart on the ACAST um podcast app which i'm a, a big fan of because we tag each podcast with uh, links and images so you can l- l- listen to the podcast normally um or if you want to glance down at your phone or desktop or wherever you're listening it will have l- links to all the different things we're talking about as we're talking about them so we're smashing that chart and we've been in and out of the top 10 on itunes so thank you very much for supporting i don't- I'd like to ask you please to subscribe if you can because that makes a big difference. That's one way that you can support us without uh, spending any any money. It helps us keep the podcast free. Um, it helps our numbers and, f- and figures, which means our sponsors will cover the costs so you, uh, you don't have to. So th- thank you for supporting um, our sponsors and us and thank you for subscribing. Um, speaking of sponsors, we're brought to you this week by Speech Development Records, which is my record label. Uh, if you go to speechdevelopmentrecords.com, uh, we've got the web store there. We've got loads of stuff. We've got my Edinburgh Fringe show, live uh, DVD, um, which has got tons of videos and interviews and all sorts on, as well as my, my hour-long uh, Fringe show. We've got CDs by Sage Francis, uh, Polar Bear, Giacomo Brown, War and Peace, and myself. There's there's loads of good stuff. There's CDs, vinyl, T-shirt, jumpers, hats, everything. Go there and uh, and support. Um, we're also brought to you by Onnit.com. Onnit is a human optimization a website. Um, o n n i t dot com, um, and they sell uh, a, a lot of fitness stuff, but and also these things called nootropics which are kind of mental stimulators as such i've used uh, one called alpha brain in the past um i think it's it's really good for just keep, keeping you, you focused and getting you switched on um and if you buy from onnit.com slash scroobius pip you can get 10 percent off any orders and you will also be helping to fund the podcast too so do all of that it is much appreciated um on to this week's guest i'm very i'm delighted to have josie long a lot of you have requested her which has been a been a lovely and i had a chance to sit down with her um at the um at a, sh- a show we did uh with a uh, robin Ince, um and that was a lot of fun uh we do that every year but we talk about that in the podcast so i won't go into that she's a great comedian i've been a fan of her for a long time i think we discuss a lot of really interesting stuff from politics to um uh, the 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 hurdles are laid in front of, of females in the entertainment industry um all sorts of interesting stuff so i'll leave you to enjoy the podcast please stick around at the end and i'll tell you who's on next week's and the week after i've got them both planned out now so i'll let you know that at the end but until then this is distraction pieces podcast number 14 with josie long Yeah, and it's recording. There you go. That was literally the start. Good. I'm I'm here with Josie Long. How are you doing, Josie? I'm good. I'm very good. I I'm sort of in this moment. This weekend is like my peak, stressful, most busy weekend of the year. 
And so I'm in quite a weird place because I do hope that within about a week, yeah, everything will be gone and I'll feel really great. I mean, this will be going out in, in the new year, but let me reveal that we're recording it the Saturday before Christmas, which has got some new new name apparently. So, uh, like you know, we've taken on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Yeah, I don't, I can't remember what it is, but they're calling this like last minute Saturday or something, or stressful Saturday or something, because apparently because of the way Christmas has, has fallen this year, because it's not really at the end of the week properly, no. but it's not at the start of a week, so you've not really got a week before christmas as such you've got kind of yeah christmas it's finished and then oh it's christmas all all of a sudden yes. so i think it's i think everyone's a bit stressed like that i've been exactly the, the same i've been thinking after these sh- shows that we're both doing with robin Ince and yeah. everything here i've been thinking after that i'll start thinking about christmas then and the other week i realized all oh, right now after that it is christmas <laughs> not thinking i'll start thinking it's like after that that's when christmas yeah l- literally is yes that has hit me do you know the friday just gone is black friday for comedians oh, really? that is the day when the gigs all the gigs are the hardest possible gigs for comedians really because they're all like christmas parties the most amount of christmas parties the most amount of like drunk assholes yeah, trying I to s- prove a point i saw a great tweet from adam hess um who i, I love on twitter i've never actually seen his stand up but he cracks me up on twitter oh, he's and great. he just said um just a little bit of information for any aspiring comedians out there who dream of being a stand up um i've just had a dildo thrown on stage that hit me square in the face and got a round of applause. Um, so that was on the Friday, I believe. So that was exactly the... So I'd imagine that, yeah, there's a lot of Christmas parties and all that kind of thing. So, so bleak. How was... Let's start by talking about your your route into stand-up because you yeah. started and got really successful at a really young age. So can we kind of discuss that? Which is crazy because, I mean, also at some point I want to discuss women in stand-up and all of the different stories and restrictions there but I mean just a woman at what were you 16 or or? when I first sort of entered new comedy competitions and started gigging yeah I was about 16 17 yeah Yeah. and how was that it was great like you're just really bold like that and I was at a school that was it was an all-girls school and so I just wasn't really aware of like the othering of women or really I, I didn't really feel like I'd encountered any sexism at that point in my life so I was just super bold and super up for it and just loved comedy and I think I had quite a high opinion of myself and what I could achieve and shit like that and so I just yeah it was so thrilling at the time like any gig I would go to seeing other comics I would feel really like can you believe I'm here oh my god and like we sat by the side of the stage because I was like a little comedy super fan as well as a kid so it really was thrilling and Everyone, there really weren't that many people who were doing it young when I was doing it young. So it did feel quite, like, cool because everyone else was in their 20s and that seemed, like, yeah. super old and super weird. And do, do you think your youth and early start influenced the style of comedy that, that you did? Because I remember the first time I saw you and I'd say it was around 2007, maybe. Yeah. Um, so I've been going for, like, eight Years by yeah, then, really. Yeah, so you've been going. So yeah, but I mean, I saw you, and the thing that struck me was most of the comedy I was into is really quite cynical and dark, and like, and it's great. But I mean, even Robin and Stuart Lee and all these people who are amazing—they're normally quite grumpy, grumpy miserable old men—and <laughs> you were just the happiest, cheeriest person in the world. Yeah. Um, 
do you think that was because of your, your youth? And do you feel you've changed at all? Do you think you've, you're <sighs> becoming more cynical? Because, I mean, obviously another thing we're going to talk about is, is politics because we've, we've yeah. done a lot of gigs together along that route. But do you think that has kind of changed you in any way? And are you yeah. conscious to try and keep your keep sunny my... disposition? Yeah, well, so when I started out, I did really silly imaginative stuff and it was never ever about my own experiences it was just like oh I've had a really stupid idea I'll muck around and write a silly joke and so that was the first few years it was like pardon me great great radio (laughs) comedy timing but um, it was all just like stupid fantasies and stuff and then when I wrote my first show that was like 2006 and I was trying to sort of like purposefully write a show that was about a little like philosophy of life that was about kind of being more creative and setting up your own DIY stuff. And yeah. it, that, when I sought to write the show, I was trying to make the show 100% positive. Like, I really wanted to do that. Yeah. And uh, I loved it. And I did really have this kind of mission when I first started out that because I was hoping to tour the show, and I did tour the show, and I toured a couple... Well, I've been touring ever since, really, but, like... I, I was thinking, if I have to do this every night, for an hour every night, I would rather it was aspirational for me and also the better parts of my personality or what I saw as the better parts of my personality so because for me that seemed like that that would be would make me a better person or something that would be the best exercise for me Um, and also I just thought it might get me like the nicest fans and stuff and so that was kind of really purposeful and then I mean surely that's a good goal to kind of have have for yourself to do things that are going to genuinely or generally Im- hopefully improve you as a person put you around yeah. the similar kind of people and positivity so you're doing that for the crowd but then also f- 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 for yourself because again getting up there every night and talking about even if you're only joking but talking about really down and miserable things it's probably going to influence your actual disposition in, yeah. in real life I was really thinking about that when I first wrote my first show I was thinking about how there's loads of I was thinking about other comedians like, ah, this is shit, that shit. And I was thinking, God, I wouldn't want that to be my life and be my art yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But then it has been really funny because, so that was seven, nearly eight years ago. Yeah. And I was 24. And I, up until that point, things have been such smooth sailing in so many ways. Like, yeah. not, I mean, not personally necessarily, but like professionally, it felt like I'd wanted to do my first show. I was doing my first show, then it was touring. And then it's been really interesting because stand up for me, like it's like a lifelong vocation and it follows you through your life. And the dream is that actually it could be anything you wanted. You could Mm -hmm. write about literally everything that ever happened to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so it needs to actually be able to cope with light and shade and you know cope with the biggest things in your life and the littlest and the best and the worst and stuff and so it's definitely broadened out since then for better and for worse yeah like sometimes I have had felt that all I had to say was angry stuff or bitter stuff and and also quite sadly I think I got a lot of abuse online after my first show and it was kind of before it was cool (laughs) Um, so as a result I didn't have like Twitter or anything and I really took it all on myself. Oh, wow. I didn't really bring it public. I didn't. I really... mean, it's kind of a thing now that abuse comes with the territory of any public persona, any public offering. But obviously, then when that wasn't known, yeah. that that's just how people are, and that's yes, how people just do like shit. Then really... that's going to hurt a lot more. And yeah, it felt like it was just yeah. me. And also, yeah. 
I think now, yeah, it, it is known that anything you do, especially if you're a woman, you'll get shit for it. Yeah. But at the same time, there's this whole atmosphere of like, but we know those people are out of order and it, they shouldn't do it. And yeah. there's yeah, been yeah, prosecutions yeah, 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 yeah. of the same yeah. people who are abusing me and shit like that, oh, really? which is yeah. kind of incredible. But it's good. it changed me. Yeah, they got great. caught in the end. I actually feel for them. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it kind of changed my outlook to get that in my first year. I feel like it killed a little bit of innocence. Oh, really? Where, you know, for all the people who would have would still think that I'm shit and annoying, like there was something about me then that was like... I just wanted to share and I love performing and I was so uncynical and so unreserved. And I think it definitely kicked something in that was like, oh, watch out, people are out to get you. I mean, sort of do you feel one. that that was counteracted in any way though? Because I remember after I'd seen you a few times, it was hugely, like just because we'd, we'd done some gigs together that yeah. were, were quite small ones and things like that. Then when I saw people like Stuart Lee talking about how they... Th- think you're great and love your show it nice. got me excited and proud it's like Aww. I know that person it's just because there's people like that who are so in my mind such legends in the scene and things like that yeah, so surely the, the 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 abuse that maybe came with the exposure of doing your, your first full show and full tour do you feel that was a heavier burden or than the, the, the joy the and nice adulation snap. of, oh my God, these people have heard of me and they like me. and That was that has been incredible and I still love it so yeah. much. Like I still feel so lucky that people that I really respect are so kind and stuff. But it's funny because I sort of, I have this like superstitious belief that if you really love someone's art, hopefully mm. they would like yours because yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's your, you know, you're putting your heart out. But it takes you a minute to realise that, yeah. right? Because that was the thing. Because you wouldn't we, think, oh, I'm good enough that they would. And you just forget that un- until you're one of these just a person doing it, you forget that all the other people doing it are just people. And I mean, on the Christmas podcast we had Simon Pegg and he was one of the first ones that was a real realisation of it was on Twitter that he tweeted about a one of, of mine and Dan's songs and I'd grown up with Spaced and was yeah. just such a fan it was Fantastic. like oh my god and then you realise that well he's just a person who's into music and probably into we're probably into a lot of and are we I later you know got to know each other and found out we're into a lot of the same things but yeah. they're all just regular people and that's fucking great right? Yeah, of course you would like we do and yeah, like- it makes sense that yeah, you should all... But also then it, it, it's, like, exciting because if you're not snobby about it, you're not going to be like, well, now I'm a big deal, I'm not interested in new people, or yeah. I'm not interested in finding stuff out. Like, that's the joy of it, I think, is that if you're doing something creative with your life, you get to meet lots of other creative people and exactly. that's, like, give you energy. And Compl- I mean... Wh- where we are now, let's give a bit of, of, of a background on this. For, for years now... Um, a Robin has put together with you and with other people um, mm-hmm. these these nights at Christmas that are stand-ups, scientists, poets, musicians. And for, for me, the buzz from that every year is the different people I get to meet and get yes. to perform with and get to be on stage with and things like that. And it just, yeah. it blows me away every time. And it's that that buzz and excitement. I, had, I, I was texting um, a friend at the Hammersmith of... Apollo one the other day and I was just saying that because I didn't I, I often go out the front t- t- 
to watch everything happen and us yeah. and there weren't any seats so I'm sitting on the floor in the Hammersmith Apollo and Brian Cox is just finishing an amazing speech on the galaxy and then he sits at a piano and starts playing and Robert Smith comes out and yep. they do a love cats and I was just explaining what was happening and someone said just take a minute to think about what your <laughs> what life you is and I'd forgotten that 10 minutes before that I'd been on that stage in front of these people doing a set and it's like it's beautiful, right? Yeah. That, that it allows you to do all these things and be involved in all these crazy situations. Last night was actually one of my favourite experiences ever on stage. Like, we all did our bits yeah. and we were at the Apollo as well. And, and then I was by the side of the stage and the queue came on and it was really exciting. And I was like, fuck, I'm up by the side of the stage and the queue there. And then Brian Cox was like, let's all run down the front and dance. So we all literally <laughs> right down the front. And I was actually like standing next to Robert Smith and I was like oh my god oh my god and then we all went backstage again and then Eric Idle came out to sing Always Look on the Bright Side of Life and then Robin was like get all the performers on the stage and I was like wow. sure I mean this is just a normal day at work for me this is it was oh my god yeah it's, it's very exciting cr- crazy this in in 2014 there were two two gigs that that made me cry as a crowd member right. and they were both really at the Hammersmith right? Apollo and, and yeah. one was that one was, <laughs> the first one was Kate Bush that I went oh, to see Kate Bush fuck. and it was amazing because I took my mum and just I read beforehand that the, the, the young child lead in the whole because it's kind of a gig kind of a show it was her son he yes. talked her into it so yeah. there was just so much that I think in that one I wept about three times like not I wasn't crying loudly. I just had tears and I, I held it down. But I think it would have been all right if you were like, yeah. I was just like, this is so beautiful. And the other one was, ironically, I didn't r- realise until it got to the chorus, but the, the, the cure had come out on the first night and they'd started. And it was like, this is great, but it's also kind of weird because everyone's here for science as well. And it's their kind of surprise guests. So people were enjoying it, but people weren't. It didn't feel, it felt odd that the cure were having to be there in a seat in an area. And then when they started, a, a boy's, the, the, don't cry there was suddenly a wave of people from the yes! back who ran down the front and literally I welled up ironically yeah. that it's boys don't cry and <laughs> I honestly didn't realise until I started to think about it but yeah it's crazy right yes it's, crazy. it's good um, it's good let's, let's continue on um, I want to talk to you about there was something in a big thing in comedy last year and in the news and there was a particular point in it that I wanted to get your view and opinion of because um what Andrew Lawrence said essentially and a lot of people who aren't in comedy or aren't comedy knows I won't know about it at all and I want to start this by saying I've seen Andrew Lawrence a couple of times live and he blew me away he was absolutely hilarious but he did these tweets kind of supporting or saying I don't support you Kit but I can see and just talking about how right wing comedians don't get a chance if <sighs> right wing comedians were on air they'd get he laughed at our cough and it was kind of it, it, it wasn't good I wanted to start it with I'm, I've seen him live and I'm a fan of him as a stand up but yeah this whole this whole rant I don't know if he was trying to do something that he didn't quite pull off or no he or wasn't what. he's like I don't know like the thing that really got me he wrote this initial piece I need to also explain there's going to be weird noises in, in the background it's a brass band warming that's up. That's the brass band warming up. So it's not just our, our voices going order or anything. But yeah, he wrote this piece. Go on, he wrote this thing on Facebook that was like... Firstly, it was... Um, he said that all of the problems in the country were... Pardon me, because of immigration. Yeah. And to say that is fucking wrong. Yeah. And really irresponsible. Yeah, And completely. it may well be his opinion... But it's not correct. And 
the problem with things like that is because the climate that UKIP have fucking stirred up. Although I had a thing the other day, I realised by the election, even people who quite like UKIP are going to be sick of Nigel Farage. Yeah, he's yeah. had so much coverage. It's peaking. Yeah, too early. I mean, the th- I'm so happy the, about it. I can't believe it. The thing that scares it. me slightly is his coverage at the start was, oh look, I'm getting this exposure, and his coverage now is, yeah, well, of I'm course, meant to be here. Yeah, do well, you know what I mean? That's the scary bit now that it's just yeah. it feels like it's not a surprise that he's there anymore, which is <laughs> uncomfortable to yes. me. <laughs> the other day, I was doing an interview um, on this like Channel Four morning show thing, mm. and this guy said. Um, yeah, you, you could have watched Question Time with uh, Brandon Farage, like their normal, not not so much Brandon, obviously, but like they're, they're just guys. And I had to go, well, I absolutely despise Nigel Farage, so it would have been very uncomfortable for, for yeah. me to watch him because otherwise it's like, yeah, he's just a normal TV yeah, personality just, just and not like Farage. he's an extreme cunt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so for him to say something about immigration, like the problem with all of it is it's all well and good for him to be like, that's just my opinion and I'm not saying anything out of But when you start saying things like immigration is the source of all the problems in this country, mm-hmm. there's a contingent of people in this country who are racist and who would be violent towards people mm-hmm. that they saw as an immigration threat who can be like manipulated in that way or it's not even about being manipulated who just hold those toxic beliefs and will go as far as assaulting people. Mm-hmm. And when somebody's doing something like that, it, it enables them. You know, it adds to the dialogue that says well you're doing the right thing you yeah. know fuck any of that and also and it's that ignorance of people I will just go blindly along with and not to plug previous podcasts but the first podcast of the year was with the people who run a website called fullfact.org ah cool and they're amazing they kind yes. of they, they, they address this kind of thing of the fact that people will put these bl- blanket statements that aren't accurate and, and have inaccurate statistics in and they one of the things I love about them is they've not got a political leaning. They're not like just going, oh yeah, I fuck the right. They're questioning everyone and saying, here's just the raw stats. Minus of any opinion or bias, here's yeah. the raw stats. And that kind of thing is more and more important because as you, as you said, Andrew Lawrence talking and saying, it's my opinion. Well, if your opinion... If you state your is, opinion as categorical fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then that's going to have... An, that's, that's irresponsible. You're entitled to your own... Or, <laughs> this is a weird I came on on your podcast out of shambles yeah. a couple of years back now and I had this quote but I couldn't remember who s- said it yeah. I've got the quote again but I still can't remember who said it and <laughs> cool. the irony of what the quote is is just I find it hilarious that I can't make the name stick in my head but it just said um you are not entitled to your own opinion you are entitled to your own informed opinion and I think that's great I think it's stupid the whole argument of oh well that's my opinion it's like that's not acceptable if your opinion is actually wrong. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you've come to your opinion by informed circumstances and research, then f- then you're entitled to your yeah. own opinion. And but that was the thing he was You're not entitled like, to just go, well, it's probably immigrants are causing all the problems. It's like, exactly. Because no statistics to actually back, back it that up. Because he clarified and he was like, that's why our, transport, our public transport system is overloaded because of immigrants. Our housing market is fucked because of immigrants. Our NHS is fucked because of immigrants. Those three things are empirically yeah. not true. That's yeah. not true. So it is unhelpful. But And there are statistics also, to prove that that is not yes. true. So again, it's that different thing of an opinion but when it can be statistically proven to be wrong yeah then you should then go entitled. you should go all right oh that well, wasn't correct yeah, all right then well i'm just racist yes you know, at least have that as a backup well that's what know? i thought it's like looking at what he said it's like him going i look outside and what do i see too many people i hate people mm. and that to me is the nub of it is that he's very angry and very it's, bitter it's and very odd upset. and weird because again not that i'm defending him but i just 
I think the internet and Twitter and Facebook are really hard places for debate and discussion at times. And I think his, his, and again, I'm not saying he was joking or misunderstood, but having Mm. seen his live show a few times, he's intentionally and ironically cynical or or negative or over the top, which again, I'm I'm not saying that this is is. the situation, but yeah, I guess, yeah, that could be it. Maybe I've enjoyed his show before thinking that's funny when really it's like, no, that was a lecture. Yeah, that wasn't my stand-up set. That was a lecture. Well, what's been <laughs> odd, and also to be honest, I should say, you know, I don't, I don't really care what he does. I wouldn't want to seek to stop him doing what he does or yeah. tell him he's mm-hmm. not allowed to be raving or incorrect or anything like that. He can do what he wants and he wishes, his, I wish him well, you know, but mm. for him to like, and he said this thing about women posing as comedians, which, and ethnics, like all these things that are so casually offensive. offensive. And he knows what he's doing by yeah. saying those things. Yeah. He knows that he's insulting his colleagues. He knows that he's being racist. And then he immediately, after he published this one, then he turned it into, oh, you can't be right wing because of the left wing PC brigade. Oh, they knew I didn't mean women's stand-ups. Oh, mm. they knew I this. Like, he just fudged it all. Yeah. And then what I found is like, you know, on his Facebook, he's deleting anyone who disagrees with him, which is fair enough, yeah. it's his Facebook. Yeah. But then what's been funny is, He's really gone crazy on Facebook and Twitter since, like, the sort of things he's posting now are just, like, saying things like, using the term cultural Marxists, and the only other person that I know who used that term is Anders Breivik, the mass murderer. Like, he's he's definitely chosen a direction to go. uh, When I was following it on Twitter, I stopped following it, to be honest, because, yeah, I didn't want to be angry. Um, Richard Herring j- jumped out as someone who addressed it really well because he yeah, kind of he didn't go in just because a lot of people went in just saying you're and it was just petty arguments and that doesn't get anyone anywhere it's it's fun at times but it doesn't get anyone anywhere but Richard Herring came in with just really good saying look in this industry everyone feels at times that there's some kind of conspiracy or reasons that you're not getting this slot or you're not getting this opportunity or you've not got the breaks that your ability uh, uh justifies um and sometimes you're right but what you've done is gone about it the wrong way to try and address it or discuss it and more talking about the on comedy shows because that's the bit i wanted to, to discuss more with you his his statement that um uh, the quota filling of panel shows having to have a female comedian on each week has meant that rather than the best comedians always being on they always have essentially any female comedian and sometimes you know his argument was it doesn't give a good representation of female comedians because they're not often it's it's female comedians who haven't found themselves yet i think he can go fuck himself for saying that because right there's lots of things firstly if if you've got a panel show where a man is the boss where two older men are the chair of the are the team captains Mm -hmm. And a man is the boss. No matter how generous they try to be, there's already an atmosphere where it's like a male-controlled thing. And I don't... I don't view men and women in these, like, categorical terms like this, but, like... In my experience, sometimes with certain things, you go on them. The crowd doesn't know you because you're not famous. Yeah. As a woman, quite often, women are systematically denied the career advancement opportunities of their male peers, right? Yeah. So they're not given their own TV show necessarily. They're not given the big sell-up tours. In the, yeah. They're not pushed sure. in the same way. So then what happens is they're all at level one. The men go up to level three. The women aren't given that chance to go up to level three. So then the men are on level three fame. So then when they're in the crowd, the pe- people in the crowd are like busting people who've gone for free audience tickets for something 
quite yeah, conservative yeah. anyway. They recognise the men, so they trust the men and laugh at the men. They don't recognise the women. They already have conservative attitudes towards women, so then they don't laugh at the women. The women have a harder time. It's right. hard, yeah. right? No, that's, the, 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 that's really interesting, because, again, not that I agreed in any way, but it was something I noticed that when I've watched... Um, you on panel shows and certain other um, comedians. I'm, and again, it could be a familiarity thing. There, it felt that you were perfectly like because oh, you'd you. found because you'd been doing this a certain amount of time. You knew who you were. You knew what you needed to do. So there wasn't that need to. I need to get a joke in. You're yeah. just like, well, I'm just going to be me. Yeah, and, and I'm not. That's part of my. That is my performance in a way rather than gag gag i need a gag there are bullies on them and there are it's just interesting it's a really wide thing about comedy it's such a tough thing to judge as well because of of the editing in in, in those shows as well is it's not a case of if that if the if the women that he's addressing that because again i uh, when he said that I, i i did i had watched a show that week where one of the comedians i didn't think particularly nailed it on the show I was female and it made me start to go well what is that but then I also thought when I saw and again as previously being a fan or, or having seen a, a one really good set from Andrew Lawrence I saw him on on, on live at the Apollo I think mm-hmm. it was and it wasn't it wasn't very good and it was really sad but again journey. it was editing and things like that that yeah. can do that so it made me realize that hang on I've now analyzing this on the fact it's a woman rather than on yes. the fact who and remembering that the 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 woman wasn't funny rather than remembering yes. someone wasn't funny this is it right first kind of thing the, worrying bit. the first thing i would desperately want to say is yeah. over and over again gender isn't a genre yeah. gender isn't a genre it doesn't fucking matter like it, my womanhood does not influence it's, my abilities it's, it's the it's fact it. that there's still anyone in this country able to voice the opinion women aren't funny is a fucking travesty because yeah. it's meaningless women are 51% of the population it means fuck all and to say oh women can mean so that annoys me yeah, obviously you com- didn't just say that but. completely no I just want to just say that, that I think that is a a uh, 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 a, th- a thought and a meaning that needs to be expressed on every side of things because yeah. one of the biggest arguments I've had when posting about this podcast I always say bring your s- suggestions of who you'd like to be on and I end up arguing with people when they say I'd like to hear some women and yeah. I think that's a wrong request I feel I feel you should request specific women that you'd like because otherwise it's kind of a f- I, I, I don't know I, f- I, I find that a blanket I'd like to hear some women it's like who a, a which women? I, I, I don't book this based on a on, on gender. I book yeah. it based on oh, this would be a fascinating conversation, and there's lo- loads of women I'd like to have on, and I'd like for people to request them. But you don't have people saying I'd like to hear some men or I'd like to hear. Do but you the know what I mean? It's in that way. Well, it's tricky. It's very tricky because right. So say with the quotas thing, I'm all for it. Right, I'm so for quotas and there being more because. Mm-hmm. We should just be better represented, right? It should just be like, you know, like, but it should just be that you see about half as many women as you do men in your TV culture because that's just how many of us there are. So it should make sense. And I'm not saying you can't write a drama about monks because they're men. I don't mean that. But I mean, in general. I don't want to see that drama anyway. That sounds awful. (laughs) What if they got guns? Interested. Back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it should be like that. And the problem is, it's not like that. Yeah. And the problem is, all of us 
I think, have to be quite aggressive in our heads, trying to even up the score. And it's hard because, like, my podcast with Robin, we just haven't had enough women on. And I think partly because... It's a weird one, isn't it? Well, partly because I'm always a woman, 100%, 24-7, 365. That's one of the first things I noticed about you. Thank you. Always. Well, I think I'd always thought, well, it is an equally represented podcast because both the hosts, we've got one of each. But then, obviously, with all the guests of men, it's not. And I do think we do have a responsibility to go out of our way to put an equal amount of men and women on, even though that is in a way generalising and tokenising. But I sort of think we still have to do that to try and it's the same with representing people who aren't are of like BME uh God, this is my sort of politically correct like trying not to sound like an idiot but like representing people of all ethnicities is yeah, what I want to say yeah. representing people who aren't just white I people mean, it's a good example there's there's a podcast I really enjoy called The Champs um, and it's hosted by two 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 white guys I think they're white guys yeah. But and it, it's, again it's a similar thing it's weird how I was questioning the idea of just requesting women but but you're right in that that, that representation needs to be brought up because yeah. they only have black people on right because they they had this this, this realisation that Podcasts isn't a world that's been really embraced or taken on or, uh, or or caters to the black community. So they have they generally have have comedians, but because of that, they've had Chris Watt, a rock, every one of of the Wayans. They have loads of good rappers Fuck, on and incredible. loads of just really good stuff. And it's, yeah. it became a favourite of mine because again, it's that realization that right. Um, again, it's it's weird because there was part of me that was like, well. I don't want you to choose things on because again, choose in general, I'm not what, comfortable with what they are. are. Yeah, but the fact is, every podcast of theirs I've listened to has been fucking awesome, and yeah. it's all people that I mean, I'd heard. I think I'd heard Hannibal Buress on one or two other podcasts, oh, but in general, comedian. all of the comedians, actors, and everything that were on there, I hadn't heard anywhere else on pod, in podcast world, and I listened to a lot of podcasts, so it was kind of there was an interesting one to go right in well, that situation. It's good to there is to a strip down your your what you will have because then you're really streamlining. I don't know. It's because yeah, we don't operate. One. Well, the thing is, right? So in my heart. All I want is not to be a prejudiced person and yeah. to be somebody that does help make society better and more progressive and not be an arsehole, like not be like Andrew Lawrence, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think you can't you don't operate in a vacuum. We operate in a world that has so many like uh systematic prejudices sewn into it and yeah. it's like so then I think all of us just no matter how it was like with politics with me like no matter how much of in my heart I thought was a socialist until you're trying your hardest to like temper your own behaviour until you're acting it it's not necessarily having the effects you might want and I think that's what it is it's like it's like it's all well and good being like I hate the way that the Booker Prize is mostly men and not that I know whether it is these days anyway like I hate the way that that book prize is always men and then you look at all you've read and all you've read is men yeah and it's the same with because it's we're still in a place where if you are um, a minority or if you're a woman or if you're not you don't identify as a straight person your art might not get the props it deserves mm, yeah. right and you might be denied opportunities that you really richly deserve and so there are ways that we can change that by like what we make and what we consume and yeah. stuff like that I think that makes a sense there because the, the argument that um, yeah the Exactly that, that that the Booker Prize is mainly won by men. Then realising that Yoni Reban is equal to to me saying I book my podcast based on 
who I know and who's good rather than what gender or colour they are. But the reason I know them is because of the way the entertainment business has yeah. been set up for years. There's a lot of white males yes. in there. So they're the people I've come in contact with a lot. I've, I've had people of, of different ethnicities on as well and of different genders, obviously. But if I cop out by saying, well, it's just the people I've met. It's like, well, that's because that's how I said, that's yeah. how the industry is. I'm just Therefore, reflecting you, the status quo. Yeah, yeah that's, that's accepting it and saying, well, until it changes, but it's not making any attempt to change it. So, yeah, yeah. It's I funny, guess everyone has it? to have that kind of response. It still, it still freaks me out to think I will ever sit down and think, right, probably need to get three more women, yes. an Asian guy, and things like that. Yes, coming. It's like, well, no, I don't want to, th- I really don't want to think like that because then it's, bringing race and gender into decisions where I haven't got that but maybe I have to have it because other people have it in a negative way so when all the Ferguson stuff was happening one of the best quotes I saw was it's not enough as a white person to be not racist anymore that's not enough you need to to be taking active yeah to change it because as as white people with all the privilege or whatever we've got and the way things are at the moment simply not being racist isn't enough because the problem's still happening yeah exactly so i guess it's a a similar thing there so i have to kind of bring gender and race into it when but in the to counteract the way gender and race is brought into it by other people but it's it is such a funny one because it's weird what you yeah what you want to be is somebody that doesn't kind of that isn't behaving in a sense yeah yeah. that isn't taking those things into my decision making process yes but But we don't live in a society where those people don't suffer prejudice and exclusion so we have to try and counteract it yeah but I tell you the other thing as well to to back to Andrew Lawrence slagging off women on punish shows right Firstly, when I hear stuff like that, I think, oh, he means me. Because I went on panel shows when I was 24 and I was just out the traps. And he obviously means me because when I was on them, I was very nervy. And actually, loads of it's been very, very rare that I've done a panel show when the people who made it, like the TV producers, haven't been lovely, kind, you know, yeah. inclusive and stuff. But still, for me, certain elements of it just didn't fit and suit what I am and stuff. In Some of them, some of them have been amazing and really fun. So I was thinking, firstly, I think, oh, he means me. Oh, that really sucks. Secondly, I think he's pretending he means the era. There was definitely an era that I think we're coming to the end of, where on a panel show you'd have male comedians and then a female model or presenter. Yeah. And that really upsets me because I'm like, they're stealing our jobs. Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, that yeah, woman yeah. who's taken my yeah. job. But... We're not in that era anymore. What's annoying is... Really like, not. I'm just this saying, last in the year, last 12 months, exactly, yes, people like... Sarah Pascoe. Sarah Pascoe, you... Um, not me, I've done nothing, but... Bridget. Oh, Bridget I mean, let's, let's talk in a minute about more... If, as we're talking about this, I'd love to recommend what to people. female comedians should be recommended and should yeah. be, be, be getting that attention. But, but continue your, your, your thought there. You. I don't want to... Sarah Pascoe, honestly, that woman has been fucking nailing it. You see, yeah. On television, she a, represents... A, sh- a show at the Fringe last year Amazing, and it right? blew me away and yeah. then I've caught her a festival this year. I'm going to have her on the podcast soon you so. have to she's so good yeah. but there's her and, and what's really frustrating right now is there's about three oh Catherine Ryan mm-hmm. fuck it they're nailing it they yeah. go on these shows like Mock the Week they go on these shows um, like oh, oh I sound stupid but like you know what I'm talking about they go on these panel shows and they own them and they're yeah. really funny yeah. and so to pretend that women oh well, the thing Sarah, is they look young women on who aren't ready all it is is another direct form of sexism what they're saying is look at these young incapable women oh women are shit but look I'm going to give excuses fuck off they're, that's not 
a possible argument anymore. Yeah. Those women are fucking nailing it. And it's, it's, it's not weird, even true. It's weird small triumphs, but Sarah going on a, Q- a QI and being hilarious oh, and winning yes. felt like a huge thing. I yes. generally sat there and went, Yes. yes, partly because I've met her a few times as well. So there's again, there's that extra little excitement of oh, yes, I'm so proud yes. coming. But yeah, so, so who else? Who else? God, I've not on. actually seen Bridget a, a, a Chrissy show. But everyone said that Ed, I was at Edinburgh not 2014, but 2013. By the time everyone was I was raving about her show, I couldn't get tickets on any yeah. of the nights that I was. I happened to be off. So. Yeah, so, so who's good and what's so, There's so great many, about them? But can Sarah, I quickly run for a, yeah, can I quickly run for a wee? Because yeah. I'm oh, go ahead, go ahead. Wait, I'll, I'll pause. Cool, fuck. Kept my headphones on and everything. <laughs> I've actually kept it recording because I, I'm really scared because I, I've taught myself how to use all this equipment and I'm really scared that if I stop it, it will start recording from the beginning again. Oh my so God. I'll just, I'll just it, obviously I'll edit it. <laughs> or, 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 or Wolgie who edits the podcast will have cut out that big chunk of silence but you can just yeah. keep it keep it in it'll be just a nice little a break gap. no I said some awful awful <laughs> things while you went <laughs> but, but yeah let's talk about about who's, who's great I said Sarah I caught her Edinburgh show um a, a Brett Goldstein had recommended it to me yeah. and I love Brett um, oh he's great and I went and saw it and was just it was so good because I mean she she talks about a relationships and boys and stuff which would generally be the flag of oh a woman comedian talking about but it's not cliche at all she's so intelligent she talks about philosophy and addresses i think she addresses a lot of what would be the cliches in a fresh way but in a fresh manner that's what breaks my heart as well the idea that there's some sort of stereotype that women aren't allowed that if a woman talks about a certain thing it'll be boring i mean i'd say equally though if i think if men men talk about about their wife no no or talking about their wife or being you know the the classic kind of take my wife please coming that's it's it's a similar thing so i don't necessarily see it i don't feel too guilty about that kind of it's a similar thing of there's certain things that if men are talking about it feels like it's been it's more that it's been so done to death it's yes. a style of comedy rather than something that a yeah, female or male would do I guess there yeah, hope there I've got are, out of that no no I agree <laughs> there are definitely things that I feel have been done yeah um, yes, but, yeah, but you're Sarah's so right amazing. about Sarah. I'm sorry, I got overexcited. I was like, I have to say that that stereotype is wrong. <laughs> no, um, Sarah's amazing. She's seen so well. Um, I just uh, Izzy City. Yeah, uh, well, Izzy's been so good for so long, hasn't yeah. she? I remember just seeing her a couple of times. She, she, she worked a lot of the spoken word scene, kind of the crossover yeah. things as well, because that's kind of where we met. Was there was a lot of nights at that point that were putting on. Um, y- your kind of comedy you know the more yeah. alternative comedy with spoken word and with other things and, yes. and Izzy was one that I caught on a few of them and was just like who is this wonderful being and yes. I, I was the only one of my friends who didn't watch peep shows so I didn't already know who she was and how wonderful she was so I was just like she's great and they're this like yeah we all know joke. she's great it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah oh that's good that's nice so who else? let's recommend um, more because oh the good thing is now I keep plugging this but it's only because i'm excited that i've got my podcast on this this new app so when i'm uploading each one i spend about two hours p- putting tags and links oh, in brilliant. so as you're you're listening to this a picture of izzy will have popped up and a link to her website or oh, or whatever her it's called a cast so yeah but yeah it's, oh. it's, if you're using that it's kind of good and i will obviously have 
put links to your podcast and everything everything we talked about thank you ha- a, a links to hate sites about Andrew Lawrence perfect dream it's going to be That's great yeah. um, uh, Claudio Doherty who I think is about to be massively famous in the States so you need to get on board oh, really? the Claudio Doherty train now so that you can look incredible in a couple yeah. of years um, but and why she, is she going to be huge what's, what's going she's on? living over there now and I think she's got a few really interesting things going on so yeah. and she's absolutely wonderful like so clever and spectacular and inventive and she's done some blaps that you can find on YouTube yeah. they're absolutely brilliant Excellent. if you get a chance to watch her live do it uh, Maeve Higgins who's a friend of mine who's just moved to America so it'll be hard to see her live unless you're there America's uh, taking all of the best ones oh, oh this goes down yeah. in America as well it's going down alright over there so there you go you can be the little <laughs> Maeve Higgins you, you can be the cool hipster who's like oh I know about this British sure. comedian oh she's Irish got, Irish comedian that's great sorry how racist no, I shouldn't <laughs> um, so she's amazing um, Catherine Ryan's amazing uh, my friend Felicity Wood who's an Australian comedian she's really fantastic um, Sarah Kendall man Sarah Kendall is a comedian who's been going 15 years at least yes. she's just like so great and should be so much better known than she is she's so funny she's like the cool girl in the sixth form at school yeah. when you're like that girl is so fucking cool uh, she's incredible uh, Susan Cowman so good yeah. um uh, there's so oh Natasha Dimitri, uh she does very silly like some charactery stuff yeah. some just like very unusual stuff oh Lou Sanders does really unusual really interesting fun challenging stuff um, there's so many people and I feel like I'm forgetting oh, people already oh, oh, why do you think this year has been s- oh, a year Christie. that seems yeah or, or can we talk about Bridget a little yeah. bit just because I've not seen her show and it's killing me what kind of because she was it was while I was up at the fringe she was all people were talking about and everyone was just coming so crazy about her show so what is so amazing there's something about it about watching it that feels really and I don't want to sound too pretentious but feels really nourishing like it's so brilliant that she's talking about these really important sad big structural injustices and but the way she does it right what's so great recently has been it's like all of us collectively women comedians a few years ago realised how much sexist shit we were all putting up with on our own Mm -hmm. and we've all started linking up and we've all just sort of slowly but surely been like oh actually fuck this fuck your sexist clubs that heckle women deliberately fuck the fact that people are saying women aren't funny fuck any of that shit and it's like all of us collectively have like found this strength and this voice and I felt like with that show that was like the epitome of it she's a woman she's 40 years old she's a mother of two she's a strong woman in her fucking prime and she's got this incredible brain and she's on top of that silly like so fucking silly like so stupid like she had this bit like a lot of her shows about this pen and so she's got this bit where she's like trying to pick up this pen and she's like like so on top of all of it it's like the passion and the brains and the strength but on top of that is the silliness and the joy of it and it's sort of that's why it felt so nourishing because it was like oh this is why I'm doing it it was like everything it's it's great that uh, as said it's it's great and odd that it all seems to to be coming together at once almost that it does seem to be that it's not just as we were just uh, talking of panel shows it's not a one woman that happens to be going on and doing and good. It. Um, like a, a while back, it seemed um, 
Sarah Millican was was on. That was the female comedian. That everyone's great. like, she's great, she's huge, she's wonderful. But that was it. That was they let one she get was through. doing. Yeah, ex- exactly that. But it, it seems in 2014, I saw comedian after comedian, and ones I hadn't heard of, ones I had heard of, just being it becoming the norm that it's that, yeah, normalising you know, it. It, it. Not being a thing of male or female. Just it happens that these female comedians have been yeah. great on it. So it's yeah, gift man, like. It's funny as well because it makes me wish I was a bit younger because I'm like, oh, it was so hard for so long, you know. But yeah. at the same time, like, ah, oh, it does feel good. It feels like things are changing for the better. It feels like there's more acceptance again. But what's funny is in the 80s, it actually felt like... It felt like maybe the 90s and the start of the 2000s, there was a real backlash against the 80s. Because yeah. you look at the 80s, French and Saunders, Victoria Wood, yeah. honestly, the most they successful the biggest, comedians yeah. that existed. Like, all of those things. Like, like I suppose like, the comic strip was quite, you know, there was quite a lot of female and male stars of that. You could name yeah. a lot of people who were really successful from it. And so, and maybe I'm rose-tinting it because it's retrospective, but like Roseanne's the biggest, was the biggest yeah. show in America. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It almost felt like there was a backlash. And then, I don't know, it just felt really exciting. And then also America's so helpful because, like, Girls has been so big. Uh, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, like, all of these, like, massive cultural comedic icons, you know. So I do feel very positive about it. That's great. Well, let's stop the the positivity for a minute and talk about politics a bit you know we can't just sit here here talking about gender the whole the whole time (laughs) Um, but yeah no we I want to talk on positivity because we the last show that that we did together before these ones at Christmas for, for Robin was at the New Era State. Oh, yeah. And they've just won. They've just, it's yeah. just, I mean, oh, no, just we this is a few weeks ago. It was oh, oh, slightly 15, different. Sorry, but oh, sorry, yeah, I'm getting I my... don't know why I had to go, oh, guys, oh. No, that's good. Pedantic. To clear up, because I'm looking at, again, everything, but just, it's still good to see battles are being won there. And whether you love or hate Russell Brand, because I think the, the, the new era state became too much of a badge or or too much of a focus on on Russell. But regardless of all that, it's great that there are wins coming there and things are being changed and people are getting their chance. So what was your kind of journey into political activism and and, and where's that taken you? It was similar to like, um, so it's similar to, I think I've sort of vaguely mentioned it earlier, but, but basically about, six years ago now nearly seven I moved to Hackney and I was really excited about it I'd been living in Peckham I really loved it I loved living somewhere that was diverse and that was like felt exciting and interesting and I moved to Hackney with a boyfriend and I was very much in love and I was very excited about it and I kind of had this really romanticised view of Hackney as this place of radical politics and it really is like historically there's some incredible people that I found out but like the Hackney flashes and Stuart Lee told me that my old road that I used to live on recently Amherst Road is where the Angry Brigade, who were like the British Bader Meinhof gang, who literally blew up a bank and none of them went to prison, wow. lived in the 70s. The 70s That's was insane. a fascinating time for British yeah. radical politics. I had no idea because you don't really get taught it and you have to yeah, find yeah, it and it's not well archived. And when you do get an archive, because some government will give some money, as soon as there's a Tory government, the money goes and you know, yeah, like, crush it. Yeah. But um so I thought, oh, I'd be there. And I think also, like, I was looking for substitute parent figures and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to find all these cool radicals in their 40s and 50s yeah. and I'm going to be part of this scene. And I got there and 
I felt really, really ambivalent about gentrification. I felt really, my rent was too high. I knew I couldn't afford to buy a house. I wanted to stay there, be a part of my community, not Mm -hmm. a parasite. I didn't want to move there because it was like fashion and cool and the hip place. I wanted to live somewhere that was like diverse and political and like just felt like a real place that I could stay, you know? So I had all these like really like pretentious but earnest aspirations. And in my heart, I really knew like... I am a socialist. I am, you know, I care about feminism. I care about the environment. I care about equality. I really, but I just didn't appreciate that. I did fuck all about it. Yeah. And then there was this couple that and lived that's above what a us. A lot of people that sent tend, or what I saw a lot of in Hackney was a lot of people who have those passions, but do fuck all. Do yeah. You know what I mean? so think I think that's you, enough. You probably moved there thinking, yeah, we're all going to be doing stuff. And they're like, yeah, I agree, but I'm just going to sit in this bar or this, yeah, I'm busy. this coffee shop and not do anything about it, which, yeah. And then, so this, yeah, that was about 2009. And there was a couple above us. And I had in my, in my head, I was like, they're yuppies. Oh, yuppies. Ooh. And basically because they owned their flat and we yeah. were renting and they were really obsessed with telling us they owned the flat. And right. then had the boyfriend was wearing a Playboy t-shirt and I was like what are you and they read like the sun and I was like oh, why would you read the sun it's so bad for you and they're yuppies and then basically I realised that anyone who looked at the four of us would think we were just the same yeah. and I was like oh fuck and then I started trying to I was thinking about the election I was really scared the Tories were going to get in and I was really thinking that I wanted to do something and feeling like this energy milling inside me but didn't know what to do and I started doing political material and I remember I did a gig in Hackney and I said something that was like, I was I made a joke about it in the end afterwards where I'd said something really neutral, like, Tories are fucking scum, fuck the fucking Tories, I hope they don't get in or something. Yeah. But I, I said something like that and then like the whole crowd were like, like, don't be so harsh, man, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it really rocked me. And so when the government changed, I just felt like this anger I'd never felt before and this sadness and really, really for the first time in my life, knowing what it was like to live under government that were out and out against everything. Not like like with the Labour government, I always likened it to, it was like living, hanging out with a dear old friend that you deeply suspect has betrayed you because you're right. like complacent. You're like, oh, yeah, cool, yeah, no, yeah. These, I think these guys are my team, you know, but actually yeah. they're doing all kinds of terrible things yeah. and stuff. And... So it's been a really interesting four and a half years because in that time there was like these waves of like politics enthusiasm, like UK Cup really building up, like feeling like I was on protests all the time, meeting with these wonderful, interesting people, um, feeling not alone, feeling bolstered, doing all these shows about politics. And then there's been like crushing, like, oh, the Tories are still in power, they're still doing whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. Oh, you know, this group has been slandered, I'm exhausted. But through all that, at the same time, me and my friend Neil managed to set up a charity called Arts Emergency. Yes, indeed. Which is like a social movement, really. We're we're trying to help support and encourage young people from backgrounds without privilege to study what they love and to just become what they want, not what they feel they have to do because of money, not to compromise in advance. And that's been fucking amazing because... What I love about Arts Emergency is, is when we've... I first talked about and explained was it's kind of it's it's using where you've got and where everyone involved has got to give the same ins to industries and the same leg up that people from that went to certain schools have naturally because they went there so it's i thought that was a beautiful thing of it's not even a a charitable type though i mean it doesn't even have to be a pity and a a charity thing it's just i happen to be in comedy now so i can help you out if you need to know where to go or 
you know, I know this guy who happens to be in music. So, you know, it's not a guaranteed pass. It's not saying, oh, you get this apprenticeship or you get this. It's like, but it's giving you that option. Yeah. If you want to choose that route and you want to work hard at it, you're not going to be restricted by n- not knowing the right people yes. or not having that opportunity. You'll have that opportunity. And whether you make the most of that opportunity or not is completely down to you and down to fate. But it's the fact that that opportunity is there rather than just not there. And rather than having to live under the idea that that opportunity isn't there and grow up knowing that that opportunity isn't there. It's kind of, yeah, an yeah, exciting thing. Exactly. It. And, and also on top of that, it's like saying... But you probably, you know, people won't tell you these are options for you. They, yeah. You might not even know that you could work in costume in cinema because mm-hmm. you love fashion, but yeah, you yeah, don't know yeah, how yeah. you could get a job out of it. Or yeah. you love singing, but you don't realise that there's not just the X factor or bust, you know, there's anything in between that you can make a living from or, and things like that. And, and on top of that, what we want to do is support people who come from difficult circumstances, yeah. treating them personally, not just being like, well, this business will give you work experience, tick the box, we'll never speak to you again. It's like, no, we value you as a person and yeah. we want to be like real with you and humane and stuff so we've done that and so that's been really great because it, it weathers all of your own personal anxieties and you know you're doing something yeah i mean what i like about this it, gonna stand on now but a, a, a walgy again who, who does who puts the podcast together for me he's also been in my band and produced my record and he's in an awesome band and i've known him years and he had someone ask him the other day what how do you get to that level or how do you break and his answer was have a friend that happened to which and and again he said that in a joking way but because I'd kind of got to a certain place and he knew me and I think again that sounds like a joke but it's true because it's also what you're kind of offering rather than being a guidance counsellor you're giving these people a new friend who happens to be in this industry So, so rather than as you said it being a form or tick a box it's like right we're friends now I'm on that, your you side know, as well. What you need, you know, that's what that, that comes. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I can offer you what a friendship offers you rather than what a guidance counselor, what a teacher, or whatever. I can offer you happen to have a friend who's in this industry now. So, you you know, if you choose to use that, then you can. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I think that's a beautiful oh, thing. I thank think it's a great you. thing. And it's sort of also been a, we want to sort of change young people's attitudes as many as we can so that we can help change the future, the way people think about life in the future, the way people live their lives and that's so trying to be our way of countering this government and their miserable attitude towards the arts towards social justice towards opportunity like nasty conservative bitterness elitism all of that shit we're trying to counter that and Um, again i think that's a beautiful positive thing there because i think it's easy to be run down by that or to say oh they're all scum they're all evil you can't win there's nothing we can do and and one thing i got from my dad a rapper called Killer Mike on a few oh, weeks yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. It was absolutely amazing because the thing that excites me is he's called Killer Mike and he's a rapper, but he's one of the most articulate political yes. speakers I've ever heard. And a lot of the stuff he was talking about was the solutions. Obviously, there's protests, there's everything else. But he's like, the most important solutions are, are within your community and within your, you know, within what you can do. And the things that, that blew me away about him was I'd never heard any a rapper speak of he was saying like he owns a barbershop and he plans to turn it into a chain he wants to have 150 in the end his current one is doing absolutely amazing they're expanding and he's like so I'm not even saying that that rappers or successful people should be charitable to their community he's like I'm a businessman I'm just yeah. I'm 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 using this as industry. I'm making a profit from this, but I'm giving back to the community at the same time. I'm building my business in the community. I'm doing what I do. If I'm going to go out and be successful, I'm going to 
have my community benefit from that as well and and that just just really struck through because i think everyone and it's the mistake are we making all politics everyone thinks of cameron and thinks of 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 the leaders yeah. and forgets so about their, 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 their local areas and their local issues and local <laughs> things we could do so uh, the solution instantly becomes at the next election yeah. uh, we'll vote and change it yeah. and i think that's how they placate us yeah. the people in power because then when you say- don't win you say well we didn't win but next time it's like well no, uh, yeah, that's five uh, years of your life. Uh, fuck that. Deal with it in your local society yes. as well, in your local and area, and vote in your local elections and also, things like that. I, I do feel like even if most of the time you'll lose trying to fight their decisions, fight their decisions. Yeah. Do yeah. what you can. But I totally agree. Like, I, I, um, I used when I was in my like lowest ebb politically. Like mm. after UK Uncut, there'd been 135 arrests, all of them trumped up spurious bullshit. Fortnum and Mason, yeah. uh, they've been slagged off. People saying they were violent anarchists. All this like stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with being an anarchist, but no. all this like violent blah, blah blah. All this slander and the mainstream press. I had people that I thought were friends of mine coming and telling me off for being a part of it. All this shit when I knew that it was a brilliant group that was positive, joyful, helpful. Yeah. Yeah. that's actually been very successful I think but I was writing to a member of the Black Panthers called Kenny Zulu Whitmore yes. and I've been really remiss because I haven't written for a while just so it's really bad because I was like I'll write to you in my time of need and you'll change my life and yeah, then yeah, yeah. I won't write to you often enough but he's an incredible human being and he wrote yeah. me this thing that was like turn all your anger into positive action you can do it start small and start local and keep going yeah and that's basically what the Black Panthers did. They started out of community projects, community breakfast projects for children, community lollipop lady projects. Like, you start small and you build it. And, like, that's why, like, Arts Emergency, I've been so proud. We've gone from mentoring eight students to mentoring 100 students yeah. in a couple of years. We've gone from two of us arguing about politics in a room to, like, 12 of us on the board and an office and all this stuff. Like, it is possible. And... It is possible to change your community and through changing your community, you change the world. Like the NHS started out as in the Welsh Valley's minors subscription healthcare, yeah. and that's how they got the model to make the NHS. Like it's so worth starting small, and also it's fun and it's cool and it's an adventure. It changes your life. Yeah. It's exciting because it's creative, it's a, that little bit mischievous. You know, anything you do that creates something like you set up a silly arts club, you decide to do a gig in your local square for free once a week. You, it's it's realizing that there's more to life than going to Prezzo. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can build this life think, that's I mean, fascinating and thrilling and shit like that. It, it, it actually leans to kind of everything we've talked about. And I feel bad because I seem to go on about this in the podcast all the time. But I think one of the most important things that people don't realise is a huge part of any of these things that we've discussed, either get, get, getting into comedy, getting into politics, changing sight, 90% of it is simply the act of bothering to do it. So actually starting it. And I always remember people hitting me up and saying, um, I love spoken word, but there's not a, a scene in my area. Is, is there anywhere I can go to? And things like that. It's like, the scene in my area was you three your or mates. four people above a pub, and that was it. And a few of them were just hosting. So it's like, it doesn't take anything to be a scene. If, if, if you're saying that, you, that, that there isn't a scene, then chances are there's someone else in your area that, that would be into it. And if not there's people that you can convince to be and that yes. you can open it up to so it's and the simple act of going right actually say I couldn't tweet or Facebook Scroobius Pip and see that as the simple answer and I'm not saying leave me alone I'm too busy <laughs> doing it, but say I couldn't do that 
what would I do? I, like, I guess I need a room. I guess I could talk to a pub. I can go in. And, you know yeah. I mean? That's the simple things of going into your local areas and saying, look, what days, or what night is your quietest night? Mm-hmm. Can I do a thing here that will bring three or four of my friends in? You know, mm-hmm. you're guaranteed extra people then. And, and just and things also, like that. It's the simple small movements. That... Don't expect success instantly. No expect way. it to take a while. Like, if you're going to run a gig, you might not get anything for the first six months, but yeah. it will build, right? Yeah. Also, I would say, if there's no scene, sometimes that's better. Like, for me, starting out in 1999 when I was so young, but like, you know, you don't. If there is a scene, sometimes that scene doesn't fit you. Yeah, You're doing completely. gigs to fucking old, boring blokes. Like, if you live, if you are a person listening to this podcast and you're 17 years old and you live in a town and you think that town is fucking boring, there's nothing going on, that is perfect. Do you know why? There's nobody else on your turf. The whole. You can make exactly the scene you want, right? And, and you can build the, build the house how you want. You can build the music how you want. And then you can create a cool fucking backstory that makes all the media think you're the coolest completely. people alive. And, and the impact will be all the more. I started off... I don't talk about this too, too often, but I started off... When I first started to use the name of Scroobius Pip, it was... Um, going around the streets at night and spraying on walls and I, I used to do a lot of stenciling cool. and I lived near London I think I've stenciled in London three times ever because I realised it's everywhere there it's yeah. not a big deal it's not s- s- special and I was you know I'd, I'd craft my stencils so it would be something hopefully beautiful and I'd do it in smaller towns I'd do it in um I don't want to name it. I'm about to, to give a list of where I've done it in case it's there I don't want to get arrested <laughs> but I'd do it in these smaller towns and then if they were places I could could visit, it was beautiful to see because people would stop and look at it and actually take it in and be, you know, it would mean something more because it's something they, particularly was before a Banksy had got kind of world-renowned, so stenciling was something that you're like, oh, wow, that, you know, it's, it's an odd format. It's, it's a two-tone thing. It's all... And, yeah, it's got that bigger impact because you're mm-hmm. doing it in... You, you're doing it not where everyone's doing it and where there's a scene. You're going oh, where there isn't a scene and going... Look at this. Isn't this good? And this it's and, a similar thing. Yeah, and the keys like yeah, and uh, like you you can develop your own voice without being told what you're supposed to do if you want a job in the industry. Yeah, do you know and stuff yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really important as well. I, do you know what I've been thinking recently that uh, and I I haven't come up with what I'm going to do, so it's a bit hypocritical, but I think the election is a really interesting focal point because I totally agree with you that voting is the least political thing you should be doing. Yeah, yeah. And I do really, really hope that people can vote the Tories out and I am not under any illusion that Labour are a left-wing party. Even the term left-wing is frustrating to me, but, like, I don't... I think Labour are, like, a centre-right party, but mm-hmm. I would rather be bullied by them than bullied by the current bullies. Yeah, like, literally, sure. I'd rather have new bullies for a while. I think it will mean that I can fight them better. Yeah, I'd rather yeah. be stabbed in the leg for a bit. I've been stabbed in the arm for five years. Yeah. That's literally yeah, 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 it. Yeah, yeah, Please yeah, yeah. vote them out, right? But, um... Because they're slightly less rabid about destroying the NHS. That's my only reason, but seriously, please. That's enough. But I was thinking about how in the next six months, there's such a big chance for people to have a fixed amount of time that doesn't feel endless, it doesn't feel hopeless, to do things politically. And I don't even just mean politically as in specific causes and parliamentary politics I mean do things locally mm-hmm. creatively like DIY creativity to me is so political I, I mean because it's autonomous as, yeah I mean as a philosophy I think deadline um a working is is hugely important and underused because it's easy to say I want to make some change 
but then you, you never get around to it. If you, but if you say, right, I've got a month to do this or to do that, or, 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 or even just f- for this month or for these six months, I will act in this way or do this thing and see how it works. And then after that, you can either go back or continue and things like that. And I think that's a great, yeah, I think that is an important thing and it can add an urgency to your activism or to what you want to do and actually do it rather than, as I said, just thinking about it. Because that's how I feel. I feel like if everyone just saw, thought about what they could do locally, what they could do for fun, like just thought about a campaign they could run, like even if it's a stupid prank on someone who's done something terrible over the last few years, there's six months. You meet once a week for six months, see what you can get done. Like it feels like it's wonderfully exciting time when the narrative could be hijacked. Just go on Google now and just read... Mark Thomas's history and see all the things that he's yeah. done because oh. again from I think he's a great example of and he hasn't mm. talked about as much at the moment but yeah. from s- some of the political stuff he did was just silly and hilarious and just annoying and some was hugely important yeah, and, and moving changed and risky and changed and people's and lives so I think he's one that again if you're listening on Acast it'll have a, a yes. link to it but he's someone that you could just look at and go right let's me and my friends because he, he did he, a thing he kind of politicised me in many ways like seeing him a few times was like right fuck Nestle fuck Coca-Cola and all that and at the time it came from a place of complete youthful ignorance and and anarchy it wasn't actually I didn't it was a a lazy revolution in that (laughs) he's told me that they're bad therefore and I trust him yeah exactly but that's better than nothing that's kind of it's a great starting point he's trustworthy yeah but also like he's done this really brilliant thing called 100 minor acts of dissent Mm. he challenged himself to do these 100 acts of dissent over the past couple of years if you look them up you know, there's a really good website I mean, called Beautiful Trouble. There's an enjoyable read as well. Yeah, it's so else. funny. It's so, I've, I've, I've seen him read chunks of them a few times at shows. Yeah. I've never seen the whole lot. But again, it's just just going through just different. Yeah, it's amazing. He does. But he, there's a website called beautifultrouble.org. Yeah. And it's like a compendium of artistic, silly, creative activism. And if you go yeah. on that, it tells you different techniques to use and different things people have done. Mm. And honestly, like there are ways to challenge what's going on around you and no matter how small they are there are victories to be had and this other thing that I really really would want to say it it fun is a really good way of doing this thing joyful creative kind of activism becomes such an angry and Mm. I think there is a lot of some of the best activism I've seen has been people just either a sticker campaign where they're putting a specific insulting thing on a political poster or on whatever and it's like it's making a difference it's just undermining it it's making us laugh at it it's it's good it's just you know it's not you know turning up at the walls at at the doors of parliament and demand but it's something it's it's engaging and enjoyable and yeah and it changed people people's minds but i interrupted you in your no no i had this thing that i've been thinking a lot of which is it's something that everyone can do and it's just a question of allow yourself to have... And I know we were saying earlier, like, everyone's entitled to an informed opinion, but if you feel beaten down by, like, the prevailing kind of miserablest, like, or, or you feel beaten down by kind of... You know, there's a lot of stuff in the mainstream media that's very anti-intellectual, mm-hmm. anti-immigrants, mm-hmm. anti... Uh, hu- very inhumane and, like, very much putting... Uh, immoral acts of like capitalist abandon uh, as if it's like totally cool you know I'm sort of trying to make this too general too quickly but if you feel beaten down allow yourself to have your opinion like 
allow yourself to think society could be different allow yourself to challenge the way that things are presented to you and once you've just sat with that project it like say it to people don't let people like be casually racist in front of you or like you're like there's some what you can do every day for free is like give people a bit of hope or think about things in a bit more of a an optimistic context and think about things as if you might have the power to change things like saying well you know these people are in and they might get voted in in five years but i tell you something for for free the future doesn't belong to them like they're not going to be there forever change is perpetual and change towards justice will come like maybe i sound really stupid but it's worth just like as a very basic thing allow yourself to believe things can be different and then fucking challenge people defiantly as if you know better than them you know I mean that's I think is a great point but I mean equally push yourself to know better than yeah. them I, th- I think it's uh, I think people are far too easily defeated at points because you can read something that's against what you believe and go oh and be run down by it go right fine because again I'm one that's always I, I panic that people bracket me as political way above my actual intellect and <laughs> yeah, knowledge. Like, I don't think I know nearly enough. So, But the good thing there is if I read something that's like completely rips apart what I believe and know, you can probably then do some research and find someone that supports your argument and actually completely... I mean, someone that does know more than you. I mean, I have the advantage of um, I can just go and, and look at what Billy Bra- Bragg thinks on it and therefore <laughs> I've, I've got the perfect argument but again p- p- people oh. like Mark Thomas and, and Billy Bragg someone and else I recommend like that. Danny Dawling he's a social geographer yeah. and he's so in possession of statistics and he's he's so reassuring as a human being he's somebody who he's so positive and so calm and when I talk to him about politics he'll be like well the thing is you know this country's adjusting to the fact that it used to be this insane imperialist power and there are lots of people who are very frustrated because their grandparents were in charge of the world and they don't understand why they're not so this country's going through like a weird as shit phase at the moment in about 30 years we'll be like Holland and it'll be fine or like you talk to him about the housing crisis and he'll be like there is going to be a crash and then things will have to change and like even things that seem terrifying the way he speaks is so smart and reasonable and cool and he's written some really really informative books he wrote one yeah. on injustice he wrote one called so you think you know britain that challenges the way tabloids are about immigration about education all these things yeah. and he's just written a book about the housing crisis which is really interesting and i would absolutely recommend him to you he's a really great. really great writer and it's it's easy to read and I trust him. Like I back him to the hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's also fantastic. if you have these hunches, like, yeah, but surely it would be better if we like funded education through tax because then money wouldn't be siphoned off for profit or by like, by, um, uh, student loans company. Uh, sorry, that sounds less informed than I wanted to. I've got really paranoid <laughs> trying to talk about. But like, no, why can't we pay through education through tax? I thought we were really wealthy. He will go. Well, yes. Let me show you all the statistics. The re- yeah. It is better in the long term because of this, that, the other. You know, it's great. Just the touch in there. I mean, we're going to have to wrap up soon because we're over the hour mark. But that's Shit, good because we're excited and we've got a lot to say. Well, in fact, we need to wrap up because we're going to have to go on stage at some point. But you said the long term there. How do you feel about that? And how do you feel? I think one of the most important things for change is people taking on the acceptance that the change isn't necessarily for them. 
isn't in their lifetime it's you know it, a, a lot of the changes are going to be a gradual a gradual thing so it's that acceptance that you can do your work and do your i'm not as, as saying be defeated but the work that you're doing you have to think of it in the long term and and what it will grow into and not necessarily of planting the seeds but not necessarily getting to enjoy the shade of their trees kind of thing um how how do you feel because i think a lot of people that activism and this is going to sound a a very negative and cynical now after all the positivity (laughs) we've had activism can be a badge these days and i think it's great that there is more activism and more political awareness but i think there's a lot of people who it's it's a facebook update it's (laughs) it's sharing a link and and that's it it's to say i look at how political i am yeah i'm benefiting from the fact that everyone thinks i'm this way and i think the greater change is going to come from the people who will accept that it doesn't matter what how many people know you're active or an activist now it matters the actual things that you're doing that are going to be cause change generations and generations into the future the people that that you help with arts emergency will hopefully then help people after them and then after them and then after them and it's 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 not necessarily about it ending with this great group of creatives who all hail that yeah. Josie Long was the one that saved them and it's turned very their sad. lives around. It should sad be. To me. It should be. But, you know, but then you know, it's more yeah, about, it's the, how about that. Then all spreads down and becomes it becomes a thing where you know you've gone from from eight to a hundred, um, but at some point that will it will be beautifully that spawns enough that it's not even an addressed or talked about thing because the 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 benefits and opportunities have just become equal because oh that's God, the that gradual change that's happened you but know this is the way i feel like the dream is to have a more equal more fair society the yeah. dream is to fight like injustices and to care about each other more and things like that and the way i feel is that like well firstly there's always going to be problems like like that thing of like power never just gives itself yeah, up sure. uh, you know these people are really protecting themselves financially and mm-hmm. legally and it is difficult like things are, I don't think it's ever going to be necessarily that society is how I want and we've won and that's that and no future problems will arise or anything like that but there's a couple of things firstly what's the alternative Mm. that you become a bad guy that you do fuck all like even if you fail over and over again like Kurt Vonnegut in fact in his book um, Man Without a Country which is beautiful but it's quite sad he's at the end of his life and he almost does feel quite depressed and quite bleak but like Bush was the president I think he can really cope with it but he says you have to try really hard to be a saint and to change things and to challenge the prevailing status quo and he says you'll most definitely fail but you still might as well do that it's a a, a better it's a better, more fulfilling way to spend your years yeah. than, than, than the other option. Because yeah. you can sleep with your sleep with yourself. You can sleep at night. <laughs> you can go fuck yourself. But no, then, but you but can sleep at night. I mean, that's a beautiful then a meaning there is that it's it's it, it, as we were talking about things being on a, a local and community level. It's about the way you live your life. that part is more important than what the end result is because at the end of the day you've you know you've you've caused that change Mm. within your community and within your life hopefully that continues on but it's not a failure if it doesn't it's Mm. you've that change is still a positive change no matter what the scale ends up being and also you don't know what you're going to do that is influential you don't know where it's going to go you don't know who's going to see what you do and get inspired to do something massive and good yeah 
Um, and also, like, I am worried a lot about climate change in the future. I feel like that is such a massive problem that isn't being addressed. And I'm worried about if already we're this racist about immigration, what's going to happen when millions of people are dispossessed? Like, what we need to do in the world in general is to treat all lives with equal yeah, worth yeah, and to share yeah, yeah, resources yeah, 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 and not to have 10 wealthy people and every, you know. But I, I so just that's hope. a huge change in the mindset of so many people particularly in Britain how we have been this empire for so long or whatever that people can't get their head around that we're not we're, big bosses we're no, just we're, one we're, person or, or we're an animal and there's loads of other of this animal and they're all on worth the, planet, the same and yeah it's crazy and also what I would say to anyone listening is don't try and become rich fuck that it's disgusting mm. the idea of having a million pounds spare when there are people in this country who can't afford to eat yeah. is fucking sick and yeah, weird don't do it but at the same time please somebody buy me a house please <laughs> I just want to buy a house but it's that kind of thing yeah. oh Robin's here what's going on we're just Seems finishing up Robin here. I'm trying to do a show okay we'll finish <laughs> up now we're not starting yet are we 7.30 well it won't be long Josie <laughs> I scream it get out of my Christmas show <laughs> <laughs> well that is our perfect ending there f- from Robin Ince before I let you go can we just tell people where they can keep up to date on Arts Emergency and on Josie Long in general yes um, Arts Emergency is arts-emergency.org and please if you and you're on Twitter and everywhere yeah we're on Twitter and like if you just feel like minded you should join our network because you you won't get bothered all the time and you might be able to change someone's life for the better in a really easy no hassle way Um, I've got I'm on Twitter Josie Long Uh, I'm doing a tour that starts in January I've got a couple of weeks at Soho theatre in london then i'm going all around the uk and to australia and also if anyone in america wants to take me around america please feel free i, mean, I would love to have f- <laughs> wonderful female comedians they're stealing them all at the moment it seems <laughs> yeah, yeah, so surely there's over. time but um thanks for having me and i hope i don't sound too preachy Thank and smug like i don't think i've got the answers i'm um, shit but i think it's worth trying and just quickly as well as this is a podcast i want to also can you just tell a, a, a little bit of about Utter Shambles, which oh, is your podcast that's still on iTunes and you're still doing... And we just did another weekly, one the other right? day and yeah, we can do some more. that as well because I think the, the craziest thing I've had on these podcasts is people saying, oh, I've, like, I've never listened to podcasts before oh. and it doesn't appear to be that network or community that says, oh, if you were enjoying this, you might yeah. enjoy this. So, yeah. In the States, they're a bit more good at that sort of thing. Yeah, and so, um, my other podcast is called Utter Shambles but we're changing uh, the name, I and think. Robin isn't normally that, that grouchy and angry. He's oh, he's worse. Very, yeah, yeah. <laughs> True, true. And then I also podcast a night that I run called The Lost Treasures of the Black Heart. Yes. It's about two years behind at the moment, so you can find out what I was up to in 2012. Perfect. But it's kind of me trying out new material and brilliant comedians doing kind of unusual, silly sets. So, well, that's perfect. Yeah. Well, th- that, uh, thank you very much. And oh, we'll, thanks yeah, so let's much. See for how it all me. goes in this year. It's going to be wonderful. I'm, I'm genuinely hopeful and excited. Let's remain hopeful and excited. Thank you. That was Josie Long on the Distraction Pieces podcast. Um, Really good to get down and sit and chat with her. Get down and sit and chat. Get to sit down and chat with her. I can't even speak. I'm doing a podcast and I've got a stutter. Um, I can't put words in the right order. Good to get down and sit and speak. 
jeez. Anyway, it was good to sit down and speak with Josie and get to catch up. Um, great to hear a, a lot of the comedians that she's recommended as well. I definitely, um, I've already spoken to Sarah Pascoe about coming on at some point and uh, I hope to get a lot more of those girls that she recommended there on the podcast because um, they're all yeah they're kind of having a great time at the moment and and taking over the comedy scene a bit which is always good to see um thank you for listening um on next week's podcast we've got i've I've got the next two two lined up and and ready for you now so we've got a good run on next week's podcast we've got i mean we mentioned and praised him on the show we've got comedy legend Stuart lee um it's one it's one of the ones i've been most nervous about actually doing because i'm a massive fanboy for Stuart lee um i've mentioned on here before i'm sure that i think he's the best living british comedian i don't know why i put, I put a living in because i can't think of any dead ones i rate more either but um i think he's a really good comedian basically um his stage persona is quite grumpy and grouchy and we've met a couple of times and he's been lovely but it's that kind of nervy thing of it's one of the ones where we're not close friends yet hopefully um so yeah kind of i was nervous about it but we had a really good chat um so i can't wait for you all to hear that next week and then the week after that we've got riz ahmed um who's an amazing british actor he's he was in four lions he's in nightcrawler which is one of my films of 2014 um so he's a great guy too so there's a lot of good stuff coming up which encourages you and makes it even more logical for you to subscribe um that really genuinely helps us so if you could subscribe it would be great it's a great free way for you to help us r- remain free basically um if you go on itunes or acast and click the subscribe button on the actual podcast like if you if you're listening to this podcast you won't have a subscribe button on the top but if you go into the the uh the podcast menu or whatever and click on distraction pieces on the actual thing that has the list of podcasts it'll have a subscribe option i'm not really making much sense of this but that's on acast and on itunes and if you subscribe it basically really helps our figures um and means that we can get people to pay for you to listen to this for free if you know what i mean so we can take that to sponsors it means we get a load of downloads in one hit which pushes it up the charts which then makes it more visible to other people and spreads the word so i mean i'm explaining this a bit too much but uh, i think these things aren't explained that much on when i listen to podcasts so yeah i thought i'd explain it so it'd be lovely i know i mentioned it at the start but you probably didn't want to then because you're about to listen to a podcast you're busy but now we're at the end and i'm about to stop speaking it'd be great if you could go and click that subscribe button and support the Distraction Pieces podcast crew. Um, Thank you very much for tuning in, and I will see you on Wednesday with Stuart Lee. Bye.